And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 26th of January. Uh, Phil, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you very much, Andrew. Good. Now, we're obviously very busy, so we're going to try and keep this one as short as possible because I'm uh, I'm running around at the moment with Infinity Energy Systems on a, a non-deal roadshow. Um, but actually, uh, just before I get there, I mean, a couple of points about the market and also about renewable energy, actually. We are currently in the uh, green wars, as they're calling it where the EU and Europe is complaining that um, the US is um, unfairly subsidizing renewable energy companies and battery manufacturers to gain a, an advantage. Well, to me, that sort of makes political sense, actually. So it's not really unfair. It's just sensible. Um, but then you've got also these US uh, senators from states coming over here saying, look, if you move your business from Europe to America, we'll give you a subsidy. Well, that's pretty attractive for those companies. And again, I think that's America being clever. But anyway, the, Europe's not happy about it. We're in green wars, but it's all good news. It does mean that, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention onto renewable energy companies again. Now, I did notice also, Phil, I think you saw that Grant Shapps yesterday, our wonderful, wonderful, one of our wonderful idiot politicians, was saying we don't have to worry about the green wars because we're 10 years ahead of the US. What absolute utter rubbish. The UK is about 10 years behind the US. Take my word, I go out there pretty regularly and I know it. Grant Shapps is a complete and utter idiot. I can tell you, he actually only got five O-levels at school and he started his life as a photocopier salesman. That's the sort of politician we have, Phil, in this country. Oh my God, poor old Grant Shapps. But I think you make up a point about the US being well ahead of the UK on renewables, that's for sure. Anyway, there we go. Now look, actually, I'll be absolutely honest with you, Phil, uh, I'm, I'm not sitting here alone talking of the US. I have actually got with me the chief executive of Infinity Energy Systems, Larry Zilch. Larry, hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You've just popped in, in between sort of things. We've got sort of five, ten minutes to uh, have a little chit chat about Infinity because it does feel, as I just said then, you know, the green wars have started up. You know, we all know that long duration energy storage, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. But one of the things, obviously, you know, we've talked about Invinity a lot on this podcast. One of the things that you're saying as we go around seeing the institutions, and I know they're getting pretty excited about this, is that if you look at the levelized cost of storage, known as LCOS, actually what you're saying is you are now getting to a point, because you your system lasts for 25 years, where not only are you getting to a price point which is better than lithium, but you're also getting to a price point that's better than fossil fuels. And when that happens, the whole thing just goes ballistic. And I mean, you, you, you can, it's going to be incredible. I mean, talk us through that a little bit, Larry. We call it the renewable energy singularity, really. I mean, it's not just us. If you look at solar, it didn't take off until solar got less expensive than other ways of producing energy. Well, now you have solar that is very inexpensive, but you're at the mercy of the sun and with wind power at the mercy of the wind. So to make it competitive with fossil fuels, it has to be dispatchable. Now, the, the best of the fossil fuel price per megawatt hour is a combined cycle gas plant, about $80 um, a, a megawatt hour of levelized cost of storage. Solar, wind, they're down in the $20 neighborhood, 2025. You have to add storage to that. If you can be under $80, then you're going to be buying a renewable energy power plant in preference to a fossil fuel one, not because you care about reducing carbon, but because it makes economic sense. Well, right now, that's not the case. 
the battery stores the best cost um, is probably ours, uh, flow batteries, Vanadium flow batteries. And even then, we're closer to 100 than 50. Next generation, though, will be 50. And we'll be hitting the targets that the U.S. Department of Energy has set as their moonshot goal. They know the importance of getting levelized cost of storage down. They set a goal for 2030 of $50. We're going to be there by 2026. Which is just absolutely critical with you. Then we don't have to worry about the politicians anymore. People will just buy it because it's the cheapest. Now, just Larry, you heard my little introduction there. Quite interested in your thoughts on the introduction, not on Grant Sharps, I'm, Sharps, I'm not asking you on that, but <laughs> on the green wars, because obviously you, Invinity is sort of, it's got a foot in both camps, which is actually quite clever, hopefully. You're obviously from uh, San Francisco yourself, you're an American, um, but do you see the green wars? And I mean, what are what are the sort of things you're being offered in America that are going to be really rather attractive to you? <laughs> well, you know, every state is has um, incentive programs for people to put uh, there are factories in that state. And then the federal government's doing the same thing. And then there's also the in, the other side, and that is the the supply chain and, and and a real interest in having build America to get some of the incentives that the federal government is putting in for projects. So you add all those together, and it becomes pretty compelling um, to have a footprint in a very large market. And you know, this is a sort of speculative question, but you know. Are you going to end up having a massive manufacturing capability, you think, in America at some stage? Well, you know, the 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 projects that are funded in part by the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, um, are um, must have domestic production in order to qualify. And that domestic production is a percentage that's coming from the U.S. Um, and that increases over time. We intend to take advantage of those uh, that funding, so I think the answer would have to be yes. Okay, and so another question: we, we, we've during this trip of yours, we've actually met with a, a major global customer. I mean, one of the biggest in the world. I, I mean, he said the problem that we've got and you've got actually is not demand, but is the ability to supply that demand. Because he was talking about, you know, you talk still about, you know, we just got an order for. 10, 20, 80 megawatts. He said, forget that, it's gigawatts. Uh, I mean, the, he was describing the market as so huge. Can you actually build these batteries? We So we will be building these batteries. And it's not just a question of can, it's we will be doing it. The next generation battery is one that will be coming out over the next couple of years. The introductory process sort of starts with us doing pilot projects uh, sooner rather than later, sometime this year, um, and delivery next year. That product, meeting the goals that we have for it, means that a, a lot of projects that are currently looking at lithium and seeing extended times for delivery, et cetera, et cetera, will switch. And that's what he was talking about, was saying, once that product is out there, it will be so compelling that, it, that that's what will constrain the growth, is the ability to supply it. And, yeah, and we agree. It was quite interesting, actually, because he, he's a major you know, supplier of wind farms and that sort of thing. Uh, and actually, he was saying that you can't even get hold of lithium batteries, whether they're the right price or not. He, you know, he puts in an order and expects them to arrive in December, and it takes another six to nine months where it actually turns up. Uh, so, I mean, he was, it was actually, I was quite surprised how critical he was of the, the lithium-ion battery for long-duration energy storage. And he, as he put it, it's just not fit for purpose. I mean, it was 
quite an eye-opening meeting. Um, a little bit sensitive, I can't say who it is, but I mean, take my word, it was quite an eye-opening meeting and it did give me a vast amount of confidence. So, but I, I just, I know you've got to jump to another meeting and I, I've got to let Phil talk about all the sort of results we've had this week and that sort of stuff to work, because that's what the listeners love to hear. But Larry, just as a final sort of comment, I mean, it feels sometimes to the market that it's been a pretty tough, long journey to get where we are, which is understandable. Market people always want it tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It just isn't that simple, is it? And we've obviously had a few ups and downs or whatever to get here. Just tell us absolutely honestly. I'm going to look at your face there and check <laughs> that it's honest. Look into your eyes. Are we at that big inflection point now? We're actually, you know what, Andrew? We've done all the hard work. We've gone over the hurdles. Now we're just about to get to the stage. Let's call it 2023. I'm not, I don't mean today, January the 26th. 2023. Is this the year that we see this thing really take off? You know, I come over to London regularly. And for a long time, there were boarded up walls somewhere. And then finally, there, they, I saw stations for something called the Elizabeth Line, but it wasn't operating. And seemed to take a very long time. And then it opened up. We went on it today. And it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Uh, cost more, took longer than we expected. But it ended up because we did, whoever built that didn't compromise on quality. We're the same way. And we are have been making great progress. And 2023 is our year. I certainly feel that way. And I think, again, wandering around town with the investors and central new investors, it feels as though they think that way as well. So, Larry, look, I really appreciate you just jumping in for the first 10 minutes of this podcast. I know you've got another meeting to get to. Uh, I will just carry on talking with Phil, but really appreciate it. Thanks, Larry. And I'm sh I've got a feeling we're going to be seeing more of you anyway this year. Thank you for having me. All right. See you, Larry. Bye-bye. Right, Phil, how about that? What do you think? Well, there we go. That was uh, Larry Zoltz from Infinity Energy Systems, uh, our client. And uh, well, given the orders that they've been getting in um, and the momentum in their order bookings, it sounds like, yes, it could be their year where they finally get there into the markets. But we're seeing a lot more commercial interest. That's all good news. Very good. Right. Moving swiftly on. Uh, what do you what do you want to talk about, Phil? Right, you okay. I've been pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's been loads of trading updates out from companies. I mean, the, the first thing is investors will be looking out for is US GDP data. Uh, that's expected later on today. And, um, it, you know, it's looking out for signs of how is the economy uh, likely to be doing? Not necessarily, well, how it has been doing, but, uh, you know, what's the outlook? Are we heading for a mild recession in the US? Will it be a rolling downturn? Um, so let's let's see on that. Um, you know, and and you know, consumer spend is is a big part of the U.S. economy, uh, and cars are big ticket items. And uh, Tesla uh, had its results, quarterly results, um, and they slightly beat uh, expectations. Wall Street. This was the fourth quarter revenue, um, but they flagged some declining operating margins there. And of course, we've had a lot of inflationary costs, especially in the automotive industry. Um, and Tesla has been cutting prices, and it's said that that is seeing. Um, helping keep demand up and seeing growing demand. But what what gets me about Tesla, and the share price has come right off on this, is that uh, their forecast is for 1.8 million vehicles this year. But I not think, well, BMW are making what? About two and a half million vehicles? That's how big Tesla has grown. So the yeah, share price is rocking it up, come back off. 
but it but it's it's got that strength now in the market so may come down to a level where it's uh you know it gets gets to be interesting again um so that that's that's that um but more tech news um in particular now we, we talked a lot about what's been happening in the computer industry um and this relates to you know pcs and servers in data centers and cloud services and we've seen a you know over the last Four or five years massive explosion in the use of Q, of cloud services in IT and with big corporates outsourcing their IT and it all goes into data centers rather than having it all in-house and it's been a big big driver for people like uh, you know particularly Microsoft, IBM, um, SAP and we've been seeing uh, announcements on job cuts so I thought I'd just give a bit of perspective uh, quickly on this so Microsoft is you know biggest software company in the world um, so PC operating systems, cloud services, uh, ER, ERP systems. And so they have their quarterly results, uh, which are more or less in line with analyst expectations. $53 billion of turnover for a quarter, which we had a company like this in the UK to invest in. Um, but the quarterly revenue was up just 2%. And they reported slowing cloud services demand. And they're expecting the uh, coming quarter to be up 3%. Um, now, Microsoft, this is really, these job cuts are really interesting, Andrew, quickly. It's just the scale of them. It's like they're cutting 5% of their workforce. And bearing in mind that it will have grown strongly already over the last few years. And it's 10,000 job cuts, but it's it's 5%. Not great, of course, for those people affected by this, but it's just giving a little bit of perspective, the proportion here. SAP have announced, SAP is one of the biggest providers of ERP software, 3,000 job cuts, and that's 2.5%. And they've reported 30% revenue increase in cloud services for fourth quarter. But of course, you know, it's it's all about the potential outlook and analysts bit concerned. IBM have announced 3,900 job cuts, and that's 1.5%. So of course, it's in proportion. Salesforce, which is CRM, 10% job cuts, but their uh, roles have increased 60% the last three years. So it's a bit of perspective, but we are watching the outlook on IT spend uh, cloud services. Quickly moving into semiconductor spend, silicon chips, again, driven by the PC market. Computer markets are really, really important. Um, sales of chip making machines, equipment to make chips are expected to fall this year, but ASML had its results. See very strong growth and it's forecasting. Um, it expects its net sales to grow 25% this year, but let's bear in mind ASML is one of the most important uh, companies in the chip equipment market, global equipment market. So, uh, so we will see because a lot of the chip companies have been coming out with weaker results. Right, swiftly moving on to companies and trading updates. Um, little corporate. Just to Phil, just before you do that, can I just make it one comment? Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about big tech then. Big tech yeah. has really been suffering. Yeah. Um, but actually, I know. I think that I've noticed over in the UK. Funny enough, just reading all the trading statements. Actually, little tech isn't having it as bad, is it? No, no, not gonna. Yeah, no, it isn't. That's why it's it's all about perspective. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Big tech's seen a fucking great boom, but we've got a number of companies that are exposed to quite specialist spaces where demand is continuing in tough conditions. In tougher conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good point there, Andrew, and for our investors. Um, and let, let, yeah, let's cover a few of these ones. So, I mean, quickly, this is a corporate rouse. It's Super Z Capital. Tickets www. Uh, listed on listed on Aquis last year, and they're a seed stage investor uh, in B two B software. 
uh, and AI companies, and they specialize in SaaS companies. And they, so it's early stage, and we're seeing a lot more money move into earlier stage investment because so much has gone into later stage companies and they need supporting as the economy gets weaker. But this is identifying early stage. And they had a quarterly, uh, just a quarterly update on the SaaS revenues that they're their company, their, their investing companies are generating, and they're still seeing high recurring revenues coming in. Um, and this is because they've got very, very specialist technologies, um, and they saw uh, recurring revenue up 21% in the uh, in the fourth quarter of last year. And they've now, you know, we only list this listed early last year. They've already made nine investments. So really interesting little, uh, you know, it's a smaller side investment, but getting exposure to early stage tech. Now a more mature technology, Andrew, we've had Oakley Capital. I'm just going thought. back to Supersea, yeah, sorry. Hmm. I actually, I, I did look at it, because actually, I, I must confess, I, I own some myself personally. But what I found interesting actually was also about, I think he was saying that like, you know, he expected the value of his portfolio to something like double over the next 12 months, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the other thing I would point out to it, you know, we floated that um, just over a year ago at a pound and it's trading at about one pound 10p. There aren't many IPOs from around there that actually are still at a premium. So, you know, it is a really interesting little business. The problem it's got is, it, you know, it was a very tough market at the time. We didn't really raise enough money. Um, it sort of doesn't matter. You know, if people wanted to get involved in this, I'm sure we could find a way because we'd love to grow the size of the fund. It, it really is a superb little fund, though. Anyway, just make that point. If people are listening, super C, come and talk to me. Uh, back to you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oakley, Oakley Capital uh, market. This is big. It's, it's uh, market cap is eight hundred million. Um, it's a close-ended investment company, and they specialise investing in technology, consumer, and the education sectors. Uh, they just reported their uh, full year uh, results to thirty first of December, and um, they have said uh, that their nav. Uh, was uh, 1.1 billion pounds, so 662p per share, and the shares are trading at 452p, so a, a discount, um, and that the upper share return was up 24% over the year period, and they and, and always you look out for this in more mature funds, they made uh, a good number of exits during that period, they exited uh, to the tune of 234 million pounds with, with five exits, so a good you know, good, good overall performance during 22 on that. Now, yes, it's going to be uh, an element of, of of outlook going forward, but the exits that they made were on a, a five times gross money multiple. Um, so that was an uh, you know in terms of uplift, and that's a reflection on their value add. So you know, I thought that was I thought it was quite impressive. Um, getting on to you know individual companies, big technologies. Don't you come across this one before, Andrew? Ticker is Big B. Uh, BIGB, uh, 756 million market cap, um, and it's the parent company of Buddy. Uh, this company was formed by the CEO, uh, Sarah Murray, founded in 2005, and it's tracking technology. Um, and of course, a, a, big, uh, a big customer of theirs is the criminal justice sector uh, <laughs> with uh, electronic monitoring. Um, and they have reported uh, results for their first financial half, Shen's uh, at the end of December, and they're expecting revenues of 50 million up from 37.6, adjusted EBITDA of uh, 30 million versus 20.6, results marginally ahead of current market expectations, has cash of 67.5 million, so that certainly gives them options. 
and what to do in developing the business. Um, only kind of thing is, you know, it's nay cheap, uh, but then you do have to pay for quality. And it's EV revenue of 12 times from what I can find from Icon forecast and a P of 31 times. So, whew, yeah, that's uh, quite expensive. It's a little bit punchy, mm. but uh, but high quality. I was also worried. I was also worried for you were going to say that my wife had suddenly become a customer. Right, Andrew, moving on swiftly. Um, <laughs> Spiral Communications was one of our former picks of the year a couple of years back. Uh, the tick is SBT, 1.4 billion market cap. Um, Spiral's a specialist in test, equi test equipment for uh, 5G uh, communications, Ethernet communications, wide area networks. So everything, you know, all comms equipment needs testing before it actually goes and is plumbed into the networks. That's to meet its specifications. Uh, Four-year results in line with expectations, they say. Having navigated supply chain, well, they are they are supplying hardware, so they've had all sorts of supply challenges and cost inflation, etc. Revenue grew by 5.5% to $607 million. Um, operating profits slightly had a consensus. However, now looking to the outlook, uh, as previously uh, communicated, uh, economic conditions impacting some of their customers, resulting in delays of investment decisions, uh, not good, heavier than unusual, uh, usual waiting to the second half 2023. So that's in terms of their, uh, of their revenues, order books up 7%. But frankly, the market didn't uh, like that, as you will see from the share price chart. Mm. Um, so, you know, the spend decisions on capital equipment um, getting getting delayed. So that's uh, not not uh, not overly encouraging. Um, the smaller one, which did come out an interesting uh, interseat group, uh, IGP's ticket, 40 million market cap. Uh, this was a, a trading update. It's into cybersecurity uh, software um, and they are trading for the current year ending of March 23. So it's a kind of outlook to March 23, really, and how they're tracking uh, revenue of 11 million, EBITDA of 0.6. But they said that uh, blah, 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 revenue now expected to be 5 to 8% ahead of market forecasts, um, and they're expecting report results materially ahead with new business growth. That will be worth looking at because in this market, um, for cyber software for a smaller company to be performing. That well, that that merits a good look, I think. I'll yeah, I'll tell you one that's been amazing. Did you spot U Group? No, missed it. Go on. Uh, U Group. I mean, uh, this was—it's been amazing. I, I've talked to some of my clients about this for a few years now because um, it got down to I think about twenty p uh, a couple of years ago. It's now six ninety four p. So it's been an incredible performer. I mean, it basically it's it it's. Um, it's a supplier of gas and electricity in the UK, oh, yeah, so it's obviously yeah. gone ballistic. Yeah. Um, but they, their announcement said it was they had a trading update. Record-breaking organic revenues, profitability and forward contact revenues have all exceeded management expectations. We are now in the fast lane of growth and expect to exceed current guidance that has already been upgraded in March, July, September and November 2022. Um, there's a stock that's gone flying, but probably flown enough now is my guess. Oh, we are. Sorry, you. It's YU, isn't it? U group. Yeah, YU group. Yeah, yeah been, been amazing. There you uh, go. There we are. I uh -huh, missed that one. But uh, all right, uh, quickly uh, just moving back on tech, uh, learning technologies. LTG ticket, nine hundred fifty-seven million market cap. This has been. This is 
done a lot. They, the guys here have built a very big, built a big company. They've done a lot of acquisitions. Um, it uh, provides, it, they quote, learning and talent software and services to corporate customers. Uh, well, as we know, uh, that's short for training, um, a training software. Uh, and it's a global business. Uh, and they've said, uh, you know, they, they, they've set out publicly a goal, which can, it can always be dangerous, but, uh, you know, they're, they're being confident here, saying they're expecting aiming to achieve one rate revenue of £850 million and EBIT of £175 million by the end of 2025. Well, I ain't too far away. Um, but they've said that uh, for the current annual period, they're expecting revenues slightly ahead of consensus expectations of uh, 595 million versus 258 million last okay. year. Remember, I said that they've been acquiring, um, and not a, so so performance basis. It's five percent growth, uh, just a bit, not less than 100 million. And that's ahead of consensus as well. Now this, uh, this oh, sorry, Andrew, go no on. go. On. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly. This trades on 1.8 times EV revenue and 13 times PE in a peg of 0.3. So I think, I think you're saying that's a buy. <laughs> right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you one more because running out of time. But you pick your best last one. My best last one. Okay. Uh, IDOX. Uh, IDOX, 283 million market cap. Um, full year to October end. This one trades on uh, four times EV revenue, 23 times P. Not entirely cheap. Shares are more than doubled in three years, but this one is very well held by institutions. Um, and IDOX is software for, um, and, and their software is used by the government. It's using planning. So it's like, it's like in maintaining assets, it's essentially tracking what assets are. But it, but they sell quite a lot in the public service space. They have uh, engineering software as well for, for managing, I think, documentation and engineering specifications, all that kind of thing. Anyway, so the revenue was up 6% to 66 million. Um, recurring revenue up 12% 40, just the EBITDA up 15% to 22.5 million. So uh, I thought a reasonable set of results there for IDOC. So there you go. Look, I'm sorry to cut you a bit short there, but look, if people think, hey, you didn't talk about the company I really wanted to talk about, then just get in touch with us. We might give you a personal uh, view on that company. Um, but we're all running around. We're very busy. Actually, on the busy, just for what it's worth, there is no question of doubt that equity markets are a little bit more liquid at the moment, a little more activity, um, which is very good news. The market is taking the view that things are going to be a lot, lot better in 23 than um, in 2022. And yep, things are going on. On that note, though, usual sort of stuff at the end. I won't do it because I'm in a bit of a rush. You know what I mean. Uh, and we'll speak again. Well, we may speak again next week. I'm actually going to be in Johannesburg. But if we can find a time to record it, we'll do it, OK? All right, fantastic. I'll Thanks, Phil. Look forward to that. Cheers, Andrew. Yeah.